Hey friends, before we hop into this episode of the Lead With People, Not At Them series on the Speak With People podcast, have you heard about the Leadership Collective? This is an absolutely free ebook that's available to you at speakwithpeople.com slash leadwithpeople. This is a leadership companion guide that's just filled with 37 different leadership principles from leaders from around the country who poured out their insights and their wisdom to help all of us grow and become authentic and healthy leaders. Make sure that you go and download the Leadership Collective right now at speakwithpeople.com slash leadwithpeople. And don't just stop there. Send that link to a friend so they can explore and grow in their leadership as well. Thanks. Now for this week's episode of the Speak With People podcast. Welcome to the Speak With People podcast. My name is Jason Reitz. I'm so excited you are joining us today. At Speak With People, we believe that healthy communication is oxygen for your relationships and your leadership. So whether you communicate from a stage, one-on-one, to a team, or from behind a screen, we hope that our time today uh, inspires you, challenges you, and encourages you to use healthy communication in your world. Well, today's episode is going to be great. We are continuing the series called Lead With People, Not At Them. And today we're diving into a fantastic topic, a deep topic that lies really into the heart of effective and authentic leadership, our worthiness. And so in a world where sometimes self-doubt can cloud even the most seasoned leader's judgment, it's crucial for us to, uh, and for them to understand our intrinsic worth, like we are worth it. And so in this episode, I'm so excited to dive deep into this topic. I'm joined by Eric Brooker. We're going to shed light on different aspects of knowing that we are enough. And I got to tell you right from the get-go, his book, You Are Enough, has just, uh, I mean, it's powerful. It is powerful. I read it on a flight last week and have gone back and forth and have sent it to already a couple of friends And I'm so excited to have Eric on the podcast. He is also an incredible podcast host of an incredible podcast that I listen to uh, very frequently called Council Culture. And I'm excited to talk to him about that as well. But I'll let him share more of his story. Eric, welcome to the Speak With People podcast. Hey, thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here. Absolutely. Well, I'm so excited. I can't remember how we did get connected. I think it was over LinkedIn maybe through a mutual friend. I, I can't, uh, I can't remember, but ever since that first phone call, I mean, you just, I mean, you left a mark. You, you are a very good communicator and I appreciate you taking the time for this show and, you know, just to connect. So I appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you. This is uh this is great. I'm looking forward to the conversation for sure. Well, before we jump in, I, I just love to, if you could take a second, a uh, few minutes, tell our listeners more about you, your story, what you do, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So uh, personally, my wife and I've been married for 18 years. We've got seven kids. Number eight is on the way due in May. You know what? When my wife told me she was pregnant, I had that same exact response. Uh, And then we both laughed. Um, Professionally, I've been the uh, I've been in the technology space for about 25 years, mostly around sales and marketing. And over the last three years, I've moved into the world of podcasting with the Council Culture podcast that we talked about. The focus there is really leadership and culture. Mm. I had a a really bad job at one point in my career and decided that COVID was going to be the time when I learned about the ways in which I could not make that same mistake again. Since then, 
we've had a myriad of conversations from the CEO of Chipotle to the founder of Reebok and everybody everywhere in between. Incredible. And uh, it's just been an absolute gift to have the conversations. I joke with my wife, if nobody listens to the podcast, I'm still going to do it because I still get to have these amazing conversations every week. Like you said, I just wrote a book uh, and I do some keynote speaking around leadership, culture, and worthiness. I love it. That's fantastic. You know, it's interesting talking about the podcast. Uh, you know, we're, our podcast is much younger than yours. By the end of the year, we'll have uh, 82 episodes. And so we're kind of going. And the other day I was thinking, um, years ago I worked on an MBA and I, I just wasn't able to finish it. Life got crazy with kids and all that kind of stuff. And I was thinking that this has been like going to school because I'm, I mean, it's just amazing some of the conversations and some of the interviews that you've had. I mean, what I love about your podcast is, you know, not many of us can sit down with, you know, some of these folks and to be able to sit in on your converse. I mean, it's just been so helpful. I mean, it's just encouraging. And, and uh, so I, I love what you do. Thank you. No, I appreciate it. I think for me, the fun part is when you pull something out of a guest, I'll use Larry Johnson for those that don't know the name uh, you're going to, cause you and I are about the same age. Larry played in the NBA for 10 years. He played the role of grandmama on Converse uh -huh. commercials. And I won't, I won't give it away, but when I asked him the one question I end every show with, which is in this case, Larry, you've done a lot of interviews over the years. You're asked a lot of the same questions. What's one question that you wish people would ask you, but they don't. He asked me, he said, I wish people would ask me my biggest regret. And so when I asked him that, I pulled something out of him that I don't know that he's ever said mm. publicly. And that to me is when hosting a podcast can really, it, it changed me cause I wasn't ready for it. Yep. And it changed my perspective on athletes and it changed my perspective on him as, as an individual. Mm. Boy, that's powerful. Yeah. Those are, those are incredible. And we'll put, we'll put the link to that episode in the show notes because awesome. Yeah. That's uh that's fantastic. Well, let's, let's jump into the conversation. Let's start with your book. You are enough. Uh, like I said, I, was, I read it recently on a flight was fighting through tears. I love when you're reading something on a flight and then you start, you know, fighting the tears and, you know, cause there's enough guy inside of me that I'm, I'm not ashamed to cry. But then when you get to that like ugly cry in public, you're like, okay, pull it together, pull it together. <laughs> <laughs> but you take us on, I mean, you take people on a journey, uh, an incredible vulnerability and you share your story in, in this way of how you faced all these, you know, strug uh, struggles, you know, can you give us just the, you know, the reader's guide version of it to kind of introduce us to the book? Yeah, the Reader's Digest is my wife and I were leaving her sister's funeral just at three years ago now today Oof. when we record. And uh, my sister-in-law struggled with alcohol addiction for about 11 years before she passed away at 31. And as we were pulling out of a coffee shop, we had left the funeral, we had left the, uh, the get-together after, we were getting in our car to drive from Phoenix back to Minnesota where we <sighs> live. And my wife said to me, I wish she knew. Mm. And I knew she was talking about her sister again. We had left the funeral an hour ago. And I said, honey, what are you talking about? And she said, I wish Maddie knew 
that she was enough. And it, it hit me like a ton of bricks because for the four years leading up to that moment, as we pulled out of the corner of Guadalupe and Warner or Warner and rural in Arizona, it, it dawned on me that I had been struggling with a sense of worthiness and shame and embarrassment. So my wife and I have, I mentioned eight kids, number eight on the way. Our oldest is 23. We've not spoken to date for about six years. The whole story is in the book, but and anybody that's listening to this that is a parent can know that regardless of the situation, it's been an absolutely gut-wrenching six-plus years, and I absolutely, without reservation, struggled with worthiness until my wife helped me realize mm. that, man, if my sister-in-law is enough, maybe, just maybe, I too am enough. And so 28 hours as we drove back from Phoenix to Minnesota, I struggled with this idea that, man, if she's enough, maybe I am. And if I'm enough, maybe maybe the woman at Target is or the barista at Starbucks is. And then it just hit me like a ton of bricks that we're all going through something. And we as a society, myself included, we're not loving one another well. We assume the best. We get frustrated easily and we walk away. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, already you've given us so much gold and I think you hit on something that, you know, I think so many, so many leaders, so many of us, I know I have, we're like, we have this imposter syndrome and we just, we, maybe it's through social media or we're looking at other leaders and we think, oh, they, they've got it all together. They're enough. You know, they, they know exactly how great they are because of their platform or their success, but you know, I, I think maybe <laughs> you've experienced through all of the amazing interviews from your podcast, and then just your network. I, I've experienced it as well. I don't know if there's a human being on the planet who's, <laughs> you know, qu quite achieved that level of worthiness and d doesn't need that reminder of, you know, you are enough. Why do you think so many of us fall into that category where we just haven't? We haven't realized that yet, you know, that we are enough. I, I would be remiss if I didn't bring social media into a part of this mm. conversation is that when we scroll Instagram or LinkedIn or Facebook or TikTok or whatever your platform is, X, whatever it is that you go to, it looks like everybody's living this mm. glamorous life. I had a buddy of mine reached out to me about six months ago. My wife and I had just taken the kids to Disney World and Legoland and Universal Studios, spent two weeks in Orlando, spent five years saving. I didn't talk about <laughs> the five years that we spent saving yes. or the excess money that we spent and put on our credit card. And he called me and he said, Eric, I just, I'm jealous. I feel like you have it all. I was like, what are you talking about? Yeah. And then I got real with him and said, well, some of that went on the credit card, but the sacrifices that we've made for five years to do this two week long trip. And so I think we suffer from imposter syndrome because we're not comparing ourselves to others. We're comparing ourselves to the perception we have of others. And that mm. perception is often created via a Zoom call or LinkedIn or Facebook or Instagram. And it's a false narrative that we're comparing ourselves to. Wow. Wow. Absolutely. That's, I mean, that's just amazing. 
It's that's just amazing because we get our mindset right. We see their life online and we're like, okay, everything is perfect, and we're, you know, we're, we just can't add up to that. I mean, it's uh, ah, it's just incredible. Uh, so when leaders, you know, get to this place where you know the, the self doubt is taking over, uh, where is kind of the line between self doubt and humility? You know, how can leaders kind of maintain a balance between the two? Because, you know, humility is a giant healthy characteristic that we've got to live out. But then sometimes, you know, we kind of let the self-doubt take over. What do you what do you think about, you know, the, that line between the two? I just had a conversation with a friend of mine who's a VP of sales. And I said to her just yesterday in a conversation, I said, you need to throw out that imposter syndrome. You know what it is that you're doing. You have to stop comparing yourself again to others mm. and recognize that you're really talented at the job. But I think the break between imposter syndrome and humility is, believe it or not, is relationship capital. Mm. I, I, I'm, I'm an open book. You said before we hit record, hey, if there's a point in time you say something that you don't want me to air, just let me know and we can edit it out if need be. I'm an open book. Ask me anything. But I'll... And, and so I have a tendency to maybe what my wife would say is overshare a little bit, but that oversharing has really lent itself to a depth of relationship with mm. a lot of people. I know everybody's not built that way and that's okay. It doesn't mean that I'm better or they're better. We're just different. So where I overshare, you're going to know exactly where I am the minute you ask me, Hey man, how's the day? Cause I'm actually going to tell you, Versus what most of us do say, Jason, it's great. I'm good. How are you? Yep. And when we have relationship capital with one another, we can be more genuine and more authentic versions of ourselves. But again, if you're not one that wants to share about your financial woes or your estranged relationship or your sister-in-law that passed away due to alcohol addiction, just recognize that everyone is suffering. And I talk a little bit about that in the book. Everyone's going through something. And while it may not seem extreme to you, they might be dealing with the loss of a coworker, the loss of a loved one, a diagnosis, a miscarriage, a mortgage problem, financial troubles. Everyone's going through something. And I think if we own that, when we walk into a conversation with the cashier at a box store, or the, again, the barista at a coffee shop, I think we're going to walk in and be more humble in our interactions mm. because the thing I've learned about the CEO of Chipotle, the founder of Reebok, the, the I've talked to multiple presidents of Starbucks. We all, we all go through stuff. I've right. written about some of them in my book. Yep. And yet we have this idea that they've reached the pinnacle of their career. So their life must just be perfect. And it's not. Oof. Oof. So, boy, you just, flags are going off. A few things I want to I want to bring up from what you just said. So, the open book, you know, getting to a place where, you know, um, it sounds like you and I maybe be in a little category, you know, when it comes to that way. I've got a counselor mother, so sometimes, you know, she hears me speak or talk. She's like, "Oh, oh, oh, too much, too much." Don't say that. What are you doing? Uh, but I, what I've also found is I think you know, trying to find that appropriate level. Cause I've, I've actually used Facebook a lot to be able to share some of those journeys. I, I have a very small platform on Facebook, but in the same way, I've tried to share some of those 
journeys to kind of show like, hey, even in the midst of these lows or these really horrible things that have happened, we're going to keep our head up. We're going to move forward. There's hope. Yeah, it's going to suck, but we can kind of keep going. How do you think leaders, though, because I, I think sharing, kind of being an open book, is, is a really tough quality for a lot of leaders because maybe they've been hurt in the past or they're guarded or whatever. Maybe their personality is just different. How do you think they can get to a place, you know, just to open up a little bit more, you know, because with that really does come some deep connection in their relationship. So what advice would you give leaders who are really looking to, you know, be more of an open book and just at least, you know, share the table of contents? <laughs> uh, table of contents. That's a, a really great visual, actually. Um, I've probably stolen this from someone, but I don't remember who. So I'm going to claim it as my own here for a minute vulnerability begets vulnerability. If you're asking, if you're a sales leader and you're asking your team to be candid about their forecast or to be more transparent about their forecast, you've got to be more transparent with them. Now, again, you don't have to share that your mom just died or that you're having to put your dog down or that your wife was just diagnosed with something, but you can share something that they can relate to. Hey, Jason, I don't, I don't know how to have this conversation. It's a little uncomfortable for me, mm. but I'm, if you've noticed the, the trends, the trends over the last few months relative to our sales in this office are not great. And I'm a little worried that I'm not doing something right to mm. serve you as your sales leader. So I want to go over your forecast today, but I also want you to feel free to have a candid conversation. There's something that I'm not doing well to support you. And I want to help figure out what that is to make sure that you achieve the goals that you set out to achieve when you started here or when we went over our annual business planning or the annual goal setting. That in and of itself takes you, Jason, in this case, the salesperson, off the defensive. It's no longer your fault. I've become vulnerable. I've opened up a little and said, mm. hey, I'm not serving you well. And then your answer is likely going to be something along the lines of, actually, I'm I'm getting everything I need from you. I'm going through some stuff at home mm. or I'm getting what I need from you. And you know, my, my son got a speeding ticket. We've got this court case. Like I'm just, I'm just really, and then all of the sudden yep. you've built and it's, and it's nothing super big. It might be really big, but until you open up, you can't expect the people around you to open up. Yep. Oh, Oh, that is so powerful. Sorry, writing writing this down as we go. Because um, that, that's just it. I mean, uh, it's amazing sometimes, you know, leaders, you know, they they want others to open up, but, you know, they, they kind of refuse to do it. And then they wonder, how come people won't, you know, truly share with me? Or how come the wall's up between us? Yeah. Uh, oh, you said something a little bit ago, too, about you know, treating, treating people with, you know, uh, humility and respect from the barista to the cashier to, you know, whoever it is. It really is amazing that leaders who's kind of, they really are in their own category who view every single person on the planet with dignity and respect and, you know, speak to them like they matter. Why do you think some leaders get into a, you know, whether it's pride or whatever it is, get into a place in life where, you know, their communication with others doesn't do that. You know, they're speaking at people, they're talking down, they're, you know, mistreating them with their communication. 
I had an old boss, Sean, who used to say there's a fine line between bravado and arrogance. Remind mm. just a reminder to your audience. I have a 25 year sales history. So walking in or call it confidence and arrogance. I think that there are some leaders that feel like, quote, they have arrived. Mm. And when they have arrived, they're going to act a bit like that leader that they want to emulate. And that leader might not have been the greatest leader. I will tell you, though, from the again, the founder of the CEO, Chipotle, Monty Moran, is such a great guy. Mm. Uh, the founder of Anytime Fitness, Dave Mortensen, I can tell you stories about my relationship, my friendship with Dave, the founder of Anytime Fitness that started with a LinkedIn message or a phone call. Hey, I'd love to have you on my little rinky dink podcast. And wow. we go to lunch, we get together, we text each other. Dave's become a friend of mine, but it's because Dave's approach is just the opposite of what you just asked. Mm. Dave and I are equals. Mm. Monty Moran, the CEO at Chipotle, were equals. John O'Leary, um, uh, Waldo Waldman, uh, Jim Ayling was the president of Starbucks and the CEO of Tom's Shoes. Jim went through hell with his son, Brett. That's I think that that's in the book. I know yep. that's in the book. I wrote that book. Um, <laughs> but we all go through stuff. And so I think the the best leaders that I've ever interacted with, either on the podcast or professionally over the years in my career, they recognize that it doesn't matter what pinnacle they've reached. We're all equal mm. when it comes to, I mean, the stupid analogy that comes to mind is we all put our pants on one leg at a time. Right. But we're all we're all doing our best every single day. Yep. <laughs> to quote the great SNL skit, but when I put my pants on, I make gold <laughs> records. <laughs> yes. Need more cowbell. <laughs> Need more cowbell. Okay, so uh, a couple weeks ago, I'm in Nashville training some financial advisors, and a lot a lot of what I train is uh, healthy communication skills. For for me, the training it starts with the inside. If you're healthy on the inside, if you understand you are enough, you have some of the self-awareness, emotional intelligence, boy, your communication is really going to be a whole lot healthier. As I stand in front of leaders and executives and you know people at all different levels, it, it's and I'm not trying to be judgmental here at all, but I, I can quickly tell the people who check out from a, from a, stand, a vantage point of going, you know what, I don't need this stuff. Like, I, like I, I, need to, I need to get better sales, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, why do you think it is so many leaders sometimes when it comes to dealing with, you know, our, our identity, our worthiness, overcoming those doubts, we check out uh, instead of leaning into this because when we lean into this kind of stuff, boy, you know, our whole health goes through the roof and everything improves at that point. Our communication, our work, our, you know, all that kind of stuff. What, what is it that holds people back? So I think some of what holds us back is the things that we're going through that we choose not to talk about. Mm. I really do believe that, that I've got other things on my mind and you're asking me to be focused on this guy on stage talking about worthiness or this guy on stage talking about communications. I know how to send an email. Come on, Jason, sit down. I've got this. But it's, yeah. it's not Jason. It's not the book. It's the stuff that I'm going through mm. on the inside. I will say... Uh, I wouldn't say as a sales leader, but as a salesperson, a young business professional, I went through that. I didn't feel sure. like I needed any sure. training. And it wasn't until I had 
a positive experience. I was forced into a positive experience. I was forced into reading a book and I really liked the book. And then I was really amped up about the keynote speaker that wrote the book months later. Mm. And all of the sudden it had changed me personally and professionally. I was doing things that I hadn't done before. And I thought, well, wait a minute. If this guy Skip tells that great of a story, I wonder how many versions of Skip I've missed mm. over the years or how many versions of Skip are in front of me that I otherwise would miss if I keep this wall or shield up and yep. say, I, I know all that I need to know. I was just having a conversation. I think it was with my wife yesterday. We all get lost and start to fall when we think we have arrived. I would say the thing that yes. I've learned about all of the guests, any one of the guests that I've had is all of them want to continue to grow and learn and mature. And they realize that they have not yet arrived at whatever, whatever that destination is, they're not there yet. And by our accounts, if you and I had a conversation over some bourbon on a Saturday night and we started talking about your guests or my guests, we'd be like, yeah, these guys have told they're, they're what we aspire to, mm. but they're not where they want to be yet mm. personally or professionally. Yep. Yep. Oh, that's powerful. So, so let's go into the, you know, the position of, you know, say I'm a leader and I oversee people. I'm responsible for building the culture, you know, kind of setting the direction. What do you think are some practices that would be helpful in that role, you know, to help build the kind of culture where people feel safe enough to share these kind of things, you know, be an open book, uh, you know, kind of get to the heart of some of that stuff. I think you have to be the type of leader that you would expect like i think the challenge for us in terms of building a culture is culture generally starts at the top i say in my mm. podcast at the end of every show leadership is a choice and culture is contagious mm. the hardest part about not being a c-level executive but being a, a departmental leader is your culture is already defined mm. your company culture has already been defined now you may silo and create this own little cocoon of culture inside of the sales or marketing or operations or customer service. But ultimately that company-wide culture will get through at mm. some point. But I think it's doing all the things that we all know are right. Again, I'll use an example. When my sister-in-law passed away, I got to, we got to the wake uh, a couple days after she passed away. And I don't know if everybody else does this. So maybe this is me being vulnerable for a minute, but we're sitting up there, the casket, we're grieving. And all of a sudden I realized that there are flowers galore. Mm. And some of the flowers are from my sister-in-law's coworkers, my in-laws coworkers. And I walked up and I thought, someone's got a document who all of these are from. Like, I guess we right. probably owe them a thank you note or something. And I walked up. And I'll, I'll name two companies. One was the company I was working for at the time, Big Leaf. Big Leaf had sent flowers. Oh. I didn't give them the details on the funeral. They did the legwork to figure it out. Wow. And it just, it was one of those, I don't know if it was my, my boss or if it was the CEO. Susan, if you're listening, it was probably HR. Um, but they cared well for me when I right. needed it most. And right. the other was a company, Tolaris, 
when I got home, we had like a bunch of Uber Eats gift cards in the mail with a handwritten note from the president of the company that said, take care of your family, wow. focus on your family. And those are the things like when someone says, hey, I got to go to the doctor with my with my wife about the pregnancy, the little things I talk, I write this in the book, the little things don't mean a lot. The little things mean everything. You want to change the game for Jason in your office. Tell him, hey, Jason, go take your wife out to lunch and yeah. expense it. Yeah. It, what's that going to run me? Like 40, 50 bucks? Yep. But it's the, it's the idea that you're out with your wife. You've just shared with me you don't get a date very often, but you found a sitter to go to the doctor. Take her out to lunch. Go enjoy the eve. Go enjoy the afternoon. Go enjoy the evening. Go yep. pick your you, Jason. You mentioned you want to pick up your kids from time to time. Use this as an opportunity. Go pick up your kids. I'll run your three o'clock meeting today. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, those yeah, you're so right. Those little things just, you know, it's interesting. I was uh, last week. I was talking with a bunch of um, sales guys, and we were talking about Marketing Central and you know, some resources that are out there. And uh, I said, you know, one of the things that, you know, has really helped me deepen some connections with people is just uh, wishing them a happy birthday, <laughs> you know, even more so than just the the standard, you know, Facebook happy birthday thing, but like a, a meaningful text, you know, or even a short video that's like, hey, your life has meant, you know, so much for me, uh, you know, and that, that is just anybody huge. Has anybody walked away during a podcast? Because if this is on YouTube, <laughs> I walk, I walked away, and Jason kept talking. I was like, "Do I, maybe I tell him? Maybe we can just edit this part out." You know the little things that mean a lot, and this is one that I just got, but I've got one at my house as well. Mm. Uh, a couple, a thank you card, a yep. handwritten thank you card, just not an email, not a Slack message. Put a thank you card on someone's desk that just simply acknowledges how much you appreciate what they're doing. Absolutely. You don't even need to buy them lunch. It's an 18 cent thank you card. Right. Right. It's amazing. Uh, cause it's, uh, I don't know if it's a, if the thank you card is an older person thing, you know, um, or if younger people appreciate it, I think younger people do as well because you know, they're kind of into vintage and all that, but, uh, you know, I, I love it. We had simple, we had simple thank you cards, you know, made up. Yep for our deal. And I'm like, people that I meet, it's just always been, you know, that kind of, that kind of thing. Those things really do matter. And it yeah. is amazing how those can, yeah, really boost the culture's confidence and enjoyment and all those different kind of things. Yeah, absolutely. So worthiness can kind of be a lifelong journey. You know, as we kind of wrap up our conversation, you know, what kind of guidance can you offer leaders who, you know, kind of want to continually nurture their sense of worthiness, you know, especially through their leadership career, because we're going to have ups and downs and our family, you know, we might have moments where our family lives fall out or, you know, a sales falls through and all of a sudden, you know, oof, in front of everybody where, you know, we just kind of went down a few things. What, what are some, what are some, you know, wisdom and advice you can give us to kind of keep nurturing that worthiness? I think for us and for others, we need to be present in the moment. I talk in the book about an intera a very unexpected interaction that I had at Target almost a year ago. It was Christmas time a year ago. Woman was, I was just checking out with my groceries and I asked her how she was doing, but I did something that I struggle to do this to this day, which is put this lousy device down. 
right? We normally walk in with our cell phones. We're normally engaged in other things. We generally don't have that interaction with the barista, with the woman at Target checking out. So I would say being present to others is actually a service Mm. to yourself. I remember he was a judge. I don't remember his first name. I worked at the church when I was 16. Uh, Debbie, his wife, worked at the church. Uh, Judge Forrester, Debbie's husband, was sick with cancer. Mm. And there was something so beautiful about one interaction, almost pre-cell phone, He probably had one at the time, but he walked in to take his wife to lunch and you could see that he had noticed things in the office that he had never noticed before. Uh. So I, I, but it's because all of the sudden his death is imminent and right in front of him. We don't know at the time we aired this, Matthew Perry died just a couple days ago, the guy from friends. Yep. We don't know the hour of our death. Right. We, in fact, I just posted uh, my LinkedIn post for the days, literally right in front of me today. We only get to do this life thing once. Mm. Make every minute count. Don't waste time. Put your phone down. Be present to your kids. Be present to your spouse. Be present to your coworkers. And I believe in my heart that you will receive a sense of worthiness by being present to others that you otherwise wouldn't receive. If you picked up your phone, the average person picks up their phone, 2,600 and touches their phone, 2,617 times a day. We're not present. I think we all, myself included, need to be present. My wife said to me the other day, I hope she never listens to this podcast. My wife said to me the other day, she said, hey, I read your book while you were out of town. Now, if you know my wife, I was surprised she read the book. I was also honored that she read the book because she went on a two-year journey. She knows everything about this silly book. But then she called me forward, and I've told this to other people, so I'm not ashamed. But she said, hey, there's practical advice that you give in the book, honey, that you're not living. Yep. And I was like, yeah, so about that. (laughs) But I would say the, the practical advice is a myriad of my content coupled with conversations I've had over the last three or four years. And I believe putting your phone down, looking people in the eyes, um, not when you're on a zoom call with a coworker, shutting your email. And in fact, having your hands present in the phone call. So they see that you're not doing other things. All of those things will impact their worthiness and yours. Oh, so powerful. So powerful. Thank you. Boy, such great insight and uh, richness. And hey, before before I let you go, before we kind of wrap up, I'd love to ask just kind of some rapid fire questions. Let our audience kind of keep getting to know you. You know, uh, speak with people, we talk a lot about communication and, and especially speaking. Is there a speaker? Is there just someone that you just, maybe it's someone you, you've interviewed on your podcast or is there someone that you just, boy, you love every single time you're engaged, you lean in, you just love when they speak. There's two that come to mind. Uh, David Horsager, who happens to be a friend here in the Twin Cities, and Ryan Leak. Ryan Leak, if you're unfamiliar, I, I mean, go to YouTube and watch them both. Ryan really changed the game for me when it came to me putting uh, my lack of worthiness and all my shame and all that aside to sit down and write the book. Ryan, Ryan's incredible. Ryan is, yeah. is just, oh, it's just incredible. 
Um, for you, you know, you're a podcaster, but is there a podcast, either development or guilty pleasure that you turn to that kind of just fills you up? You just love. So I knew this question was coming and I was like, maybe I tell him before, maybe I change the question. Uh, but my guilty secret is I've hosted a podcast. We're like 150 episodes in and I, I don't listen to podcasts. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I actually, uh, I mean, I can tell you I'm a huge Patrick Lencioni fan. So he's got a podcast at the table that I think on occasion I'll listen to. That's brilliant. Uh, entree leadership, but I'm not an avid listener. I'm more of an audible guy. I'm more of a book guy. Mm, Love it. Love it. So put you in a, put you in a corner here. Is there a, a guest that you've had on that kind of stands out as your favorite interview? Ooh. Right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> wow. I, I would say the ones that I've built relationships with are the ones that stand out and not because I've become friends with them, but because there's a level of authenticity that most of us don't expect from people that get to that level. Uh, David Horsager, Dave Mortensen, Kevin Briggs, Kevin Berthia, Waldo Waldman. I mean, uh, these guys, just uh, Jim Ailing's another one. They stand out in a crowd as genuine, authentic leaders, not because they've had success, not because they've reached, quote unquote, the pinnacle of their career, mm. but because they just care. John O'Leary is another one. There's a movie being written about his life right now. He's written incredible books. I little old Eric Brooker calls John and says, Hey, can I tell your story in my book? I think it could really impact lives. And the amount of conversations that we've had in preparation for what is now the book, uh, it just shares that they're just really genuinely good people. Wow. I love it. I love it. Well, the book is You Are Enough. Uh, Eric, tell us where we can kind of go online to get all the information about you, what you offer in your book and all that kind of stuff. So the book you can find uh, anywhere books are sold, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Books a Million. You can order them online. Uh, You can go to my website, ericbrooker.com. That's probably the best place to see sort of an overall view of my work, but I'm very, very active on LinkedIn. So Connect with me on LinkedIn. Tell me that we connected via this show. And uh, and actually, I'm going to do uh, one more thing. Uh, you can always text me or call me 480-296-9777. And to the first person that reaches out uh, via the podcast to Jason, uh, Jason, let me know who that is, and I will send them a signed copy of the book as well. Amazing. Amazing. Absolutely love that. And uh, for our listeners, we'll put all this information in the show notes and we'll post it in the Speak for People Facebook group so you have everything. Eric, thank you again. What an honor having you on the podcast today. Appreciate it. Yeah, this was great. I enjoyed the conversation. Thanks for having me. And thanks to you, our Speak with People listeners. Thank you for joining in every single week. And thank you for sharing this with people who are in your life. Every single like, comment, Every single review you leave is just absolutely incredible. Uh, Hopefully you've been challenged, encouraged, inspired today, and we hope that you will elevate the importance and practice of healthy communication in your life. My hope is that you will speak with people and not at them. 
We'll see you next week. Thanks.